Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Pastor Howard, this week we are on quarter two, lesson 10, called the New Covenant. And we were kind of talking beforehand that we are now on the 10th lesson of a 13 lesson study and we're about the covenants and we're finally getting to the new covenant. Okay, well, now I will say that we will learn in this lesson that we've been talking about the new covenant a lot more. All right, than some that's going to need some clarification. And we will. But I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, you know, we've got this great study of all the different agreements that God's made with people. But when you come to talking about the new covenants, this is all anybody wants. It's like, I just want to know about the, like, the whole new covenant thing. Is the new covenant doing away with God's law? Right? right. This is the whole thing. If you're a non-Adventist, it's like, we're new covenant. We don't have to worry about the Sabbath anymore. If you're a Seventh-day Adventist, like, what do I tell my friends exactly. who are Christians? Who are, so this is the study. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and kind of like we were talking beforehand, notes, even inside of the Seventh-day Adventist church, there's a little sometimes a lack of clarity about what is the old and new covenant like old seems like well it's old testament old covenant mm -hmm. and when jesus came we have a new covenant so it, even i would even think an evangelical persuaded person a non-advent could read through this study and be like, that's really interesting stuff but none of it counts yes. till you get to jesus well so, in fact i mean the words testament and covenant are often interchanged yes. and so it's, people, it's reasonable people. to be confused. Yes. All right, so we're going to try Hopefully to clear up some stuff today. So we're going to have a good study. Uh, we're looking forward to it, but yes. I'll tell you what we're going to do. Let's start with a word of prayer, then kind of walk us through the, uh, the talking points for let's this week. Let's do it. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word at all, but particularly this theme of the covenant and the new covenant, the old covenant, and what you want from us, and Lord, what we can find in you. Please bless us now as we open your word and bless the Sabbath school classes that will also do the same this coming Sabbath, that their, their experience will be rich and everyone will be drawn closer to Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as you've mentioned, that the, the point this of this week's study is why the need of a new covenant? Exactly. You know, and I said as we were reviewing this, I can understand why I need to redo things. <laughs> right? I didn't do it right the first time, and I covered so But why I. did God need to redo things? <laughs> yeah. And so this is a little bit of what we're going to talk about so here. So the implication is to redo things, that there was something wrong with the old one, and it's God's covenant. Well, so yeah. it was lacking something. Even if you said it was outdated, was... like, there are implications in like, that. God then, should then, be timeless, right? <laughs> right. The, then the Bible is outdated, and you give into it, which some people think. Right. Like, no, God can see the end from the beginning, and, and he, he makes sure everything is relevant and we're going to see that. In All right, so study. let's break it down. Okay, so there are three talking points we're going to I've drawn out of this uh, week's lesson. Number one, the problem with the Old Covenant was not the law, and we'll mm. expound on that, but that's based on the fact that when you do talk about Old and New Covenant, the common understanding seems to be that the problem with the Old Covenant was it was law-based, and the New Covenant is grace-based. Okay. It's the mentality. Okay. Okay, the problem with the Old Covenant, according to Scripture, was not the law. Uh, that's drawn from Sunday's lesson. Point number two, God's promises made the Old Covenant better. Mm. Okay, the, the Bible talks about, in one of our lessons specifically, quoting from the book of Hebrews, better promises. Mm -hmm. What made the promises better? What made the Old Covenant better, a better covenant? Better promises. Uh, God's promises. And, and that's, and that's Monday through Wednesday. Exactly. And I just gave away the whole lesson for the talking point number two. And then number three... The Old Covenant was not God's idea. Now that is going to take some And there's a little overlap there from Wednesday to Friday, but that yeah, that's going to bring it home right there. So okay. that's 
Well, we've got a certain amount of time here and there's a lot to cover. So let's just get right into number one. The problem with the Old Covenant was not the law. Probably okay. many Seventh-day Adventists are like, that's exactly right. Well, let's find out from Scripture why that's the case. So Jeremiah 31, why don't you read for us Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. And I need to say that this is the New Covenant passage. You know, the, the, In the, the Old Bible, Testament. The Bible, exactly. The Bible talks about the New Covenant in a number of places in different terminology. To, but to actually use the term New Covenant, mm -hmm. like this is the place. And when the apostle in the book of Hebrews talks about the new covenant, where does he quote from? Bam, right here. Okay, so. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. Mm -hmm. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I had made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Okay, this is a, a, a powerful passage. Two points in this passage, one of which we are not going to cover in this lesson. And that is, both the Old and New Covenants are made with Israel and Judah, not the Gentiles. Okay. Which, yeah. you get it, that's a whole other discussion, which... It is what it is. But we've we covered that topic in previous studies right, also. Right, the Lord like had always an intended. Israelite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the other thing is the law. Mm -hmm. Now, when you read this in Hebrews... The, the, the modern-day Christian uh, comes away with the idea that, oh, well, write my law, and it's got to be something other than that. Anytime you read law in the New Testament, it to can't a lot be of the people, old law. Yeah. it can't possibly be, yeah, the old law, the Ten Commandments. But when you're in Jeremiah, which is incidentally, <laughs> no option, reads yeah. the same way, Hebrews quotes from this, God says, I'm going to write my law, mm -hmm. put it in their mind, and write it in their hearts, and Sunday's lesson asks the question, question number two on Sunday says, whose law is being talked about here? What law is this? Obviously, mm -hmm. it's a Ten Commandment law. We're going to see that in other places. Um, and the point that we need to understand here is the Old Covenant had a foundation. We've already talked about this. We had, well, covenant law was two lessons yes. ago. Yes, That the foundation of both covenants is a law. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's obedience. Obedience to what? God's law. That's not the part that changed in the covenants. Mm. And so the problem with the Old Covenant was not the law. Okay. What then was the problem? We need to go to the book of Hebrews. Mm -hmm. And Hebrews There's already 8. a reference, as you're finding Hebrews, but there was already a reference to it there in Jeremiah 31, verse 32. You know, it says, uh, speaking of the covenant, that, quote, my covenant which they broke. Right. Right. And then Hebrews goes on to clarify uh, that very point. Well, again, in Hebrews 8, we're only... The apostles only reiterating, he's quoting mm -hmm. verse, in fact, if you start in verse um, 6, it says, uh, why, don't, why don't you read 6 through 8 and I'll read 9 through, through uh, 12. Okay, Hebrews 8, starting with verse 6. But now he, that is Christ, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been found 
uh, been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them out by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. Okay, that's a good play. That that gives us the point. Sure. Now, you, we very clearly see he's quoting from Jeremiah, where we just read. Almost word for word, yeah. And he says there wouldn't, the apostle introducing this passage, before he quotes from Jeremiah, he says, if the first covenant had been faultless, mm. then no place would have been sought for a second covenant. Now, and, and that makes it very tricky because it sounds like the God initiated, God set the terms, right. it's God's law, God's people, I'm going to do this. And that is like, yeah, but that old thing was faulty. That's right. It sounds like, whoa, it, it implies that God. It doesn't, it, it all out yeah. says it. Like well, it, it implies that it was somehow faultless. God's fault. Right. Right. But, but he clarifies, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And, and notice it doesn't say in verse 8 because finding fault with that old law. Exactly. He says, finding fault with them. them. And again in verse 9. They, because, because, here's the reason, they did not continue in my covenant, mm-hmm. and I disregarded them, says right. the Lord. And again, back in Jeremiah, my covenant, which they broke. So the fault, both in the Old and New Testament explanation of this, is with the people not keeping, not that the thing itself that was makes, faulty. That should make such perfect sense to any Christian, like, did, let's see, we get one of two options, either the holy God, his law has a problem with it, or fallen humanity. Oh, it couldn't be fallen humanity, yes, right? It's probably on him. Yeah. No, it's definitely. So very clearly, the law, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, the law is holy and just and good. No right. problem with the law. The problem was never with the law. The problem in the old covenant was with the people. Okay. And uh, the essential part of the old covenant has not changed. Well, it's the, that the Sabbath school quarterly on Sunday, uh, paragraph 1 uh, explains this very clearly. It said, It is clear the new covenant is not so different from the old covenant made with Israel and Mount Sinai. In fact, the problem with the Sinai covenant was not that it was old or outmoded. The problem instead mm-hmm. was that it was broken. Right. So the issue was the breaking of the covenant, not the covenant itself. That's right. And what's interesting, again, is the new covenant is addressing a problem in the old covenant. If the problem was the people, you would expect the solution to the problem to address the people. Yes. And surely it does. You come in here and he says, verse 10 of Hebrews 8, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. Mm. So there was a problem with the people, their their ability to keep the law of God, the, the, the having the law in the heart and in the mind. And so God, in fact, we see that in Deuteronomy 5. We could look it up. Are you looking that up? I am looking that up just very quickly. There's one verse, verse 29. Oh, the Lord says, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and their children forever. So that's in the context of the Sinai covenant. Right before Mm -hmm. that, the Lord says, when the people said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. He said, they're right in what they said. If only that were true. They're right in what they said. The problem is, oh, that there was such a heart in them. So the problem was the heart of the people. And what does the new covenant address? Not the law but the heart of the people. Amen. So again, the problem number one was the Old Covenant was not the law, but it was the heart of the people to keep the law. That's right, because when you read the account of Old and New Covenant, both of them contain the law. All right, well, let's move on to number two then. God's promises made the Old Covenant better. So this is stating what, you know, again, we read in Hebrews chapter 8, and and you just read this in verse um, 6, 
But now he, capital H, has obtained a more excellent ministry, talking about Christ and his priestly ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, speaking of the new covenant, which was established on better promises. Mm. So the question here is, what did God promise to do under the new covenant? Well, the promise, of course, as we've just been reading, was to write the law on their hearts and minds, to actually internalize it. That's right. Um, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 372 says, the terms of the Old Covenant were obey and live. If a man do, he shall live in them. That's Exodus 20.11 and Leviticus 18.5. But cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. Deuteronomy mm -hmm. 27 and, and verse 26. So again, the terms of the Old Covenant were obey and live. Mm -hmm. Disobey and die, right? Sure. The New Covenant was established upon better promises the promise of forgiveness of sins and of the grace of God to renew the heart and bring it into harmony with the principles of God's law. Mm -hmm. And Monday lesson speaks to that uh, text after text there from Ezekiel. The Lord will provide a heart to know that I am the Lord, Jeremiah 24. Yes. He will take the stony heart out of flesh and give them a heart of, uh, out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, Ezekiel 11. And it goes on to Ezekiel 36 th uh, again and again. Yes. The, and it summarizes this work of God is the foundation of the new covenant. Now, no, not the change of the law. Exactly. This work on the heart. And it's interesting, these passages you bring up, they don't say new covenant. Mm -hmm. But they're about the new covenant. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mentioned. There are other passages. Jeremiah 31 says the new covenant. But there are plenty of passages in the Old Testament about the new covenant mm -hmm. in these passages where it talks about God changing the, the heart. The active agent is the change of the heart By itself, the Holy Spirit, yes. Not to change the law to something we can keep. Right. <laughs> okay. So, your little question here in the notes is, what does it mean to have the law written in our hearts? Well, that's also, that comes from Sunday. And um, I believe it's question number two. Uh, in and, Sunday's lesson? No, 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 no. Uh, thought question number two. And I have Sunday, but it's not Sunday. Anyway, let's... <laughs> the question it's is on Wednesday. It's a good Wednesday. question, regardless of where it's found. Yes. It's Wednesday's question. Okay. But anyway, I wrote it here in the outline, in our outline. What does it mean to have the law written in our hearts? It's a great question. And it refers us to Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Okay. Uh, Romans chapter 2, verses 14, 15 read, For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or, also, or else excusing them. So, so let's there is pause that written there in just the heart. for clarification. It is Sunday's lesson. What was throwing me is Sunday actually gives a bunch of questions, number one, two, three, four, under the first read section. Yes. And then that second question says, focus on the last part. It's that last sentence that says, what does it mean, according to Romans, right. to have the law written in the heart? Now, you were saying... Well, there, that phrase, written in the heart, is applied this time to people who don't even have the law. That's right. The Gentiles. But it kind of explains how they do by nature, just from the act of... Because you know, we understand that even if you don't have the written explanation of the law of God, there are, you know, God has given every man a measure of grace. So there's a, right. there's a, there's a, a conscience in every person. And if, but if you only clarify, have this much light, right, you live up to it. But let's clarify that no human being does by nature the things contained in the law. Right. Right. We are in my flesh dwells no good thing. So Paul's point is, if you see a Gentile 
even who right. hasn't even doesn't have knowledge of the law per se, doing it's doing an evidence the things of the work of God, work of God written in the heart. Exactly. So even though every human, law having or not, is bent toward evil, if you see someone, particularly someone who doesn't have an a written understanding of God's law, and he's out there obeying the little light that he has, the conscience that he has. It's That's an right. evidence of the work of God in the life, writing his law on the heart, and according to this, becomes a law to himself. Said, basically, this is all he has, and accountable to it, and the Lord is working in his heart, so we are saved right. by grace just like them. And the question that was posed is, what does it mean to have the law written in our hearts? And from this passage, very clearly, it means to, by nature, do the things contained in the law. Mm. You don't get away from doing the thing. Like, New Covenant, I'm a New Covenant Christian, so I don't worry about keeping the law. That's not what it says. Right. Like, this is the exact opposite. This is saying, if you have the law written in the heart, you'll by nature do the things contained in the law. You're not going to get rid of the law and say, and that's what, don't well, we hear that today? Oh, we can't keep the law. Well, that's the one thing that apparently doesn't change in that mindset that you just talked about is in the Old Testament, people couldn't keep the law. And in the New Testament, we still can't keep the law. (laughs) So what he did is get rid of the law. No. But wrote it in our hearts so we can't keep it. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But it gets foggy when when the Lord seems to be saying, well, the law's the same, and I'm going to keep that the same. What I'm going to change is you. That's right. And praise the Lord. And if he changes us and doesn't fix the problem that we still can't keep the law. Then really, what's the point? That's exactly right. All right. And so that leads us into number three. Yeah, and this is going to take a little explaining again, because that's a kind of an odd statement. The old covenant was not God's idea. How can you say the old covenant was not God's idea when he's the one who we've repeatedly affirmed takes the initiative? Okay. He's the one who called them out. He's right. the one who delivered them. He's the one who gives them his law. If we go to Exodus 19, and, and this is review, we've seen this throughout this this quarter. Mm-hmm. So Exodus 19 is just prior to the giving of the law at Sinai. Yes, it is. And this is the experience of entering into the Old Covenant. Luke, uh, Luke. Exodus 19, verse <laughs> 8, says, Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Okay, mm-hmm. now you go to chapter 20 okay. and look at 18 to 21, and you see something similar. Verse 18 says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that he that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood far off, but Moses drew near. Mm. So the, the, the point here, and we can look at other passages, is God wanted to enter into this agreement with his people, mm-hmm. and I believe, and, we, and we're going to look at some other passages, that God's intention was to reiterate to them, the covenant he had already made with Adam and Eve and Eden, with Abram, and, and that the covenant of grace. But when he tried to present it to his people, they said, "No, no, 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 mm-hmm. Moses, you could, you just go and have you just have God just give us a the list, terms and right, we'll do it, and we'll do it." And the Lord knew that wasn't going to happen. Mm. But have you ever, as a parent, tried to communicate something to your kids, and they're just not, you see that? All right, go ahead. I, yeah, well, I could tell stories, and you could as well. But I believe the Lord saw that they didn't understand something about their own inability. Mm. And so they they wouldn't come meet with the Lord. Moses, you go do it. 
he's too holy, but evidently they didn't think he was so holy that his requirements would be beyond their capabilities. Mm. Like, we so, come in his presence and we'll, we'll cease to exist, but we can do everything he says perfectly. Well, and to, to go back to this Old and New Covenant thing, like, yes. I think there's an implication that God had this grand promise to Abraham. That I'm going to mm-hmm. make you this great nation, and, and you're going to be a blessing, a beautiful, special nation. But then when he gets to the deliverance out of Egypt, and Moses is there, he takes him to Mount Sinai, right. and then he establishes this, this heavy burdensome law riddled covenant right and the people did their best like we're going to try to do what we can but you know they couldn't do it and so in the new testament god had to come along and say like you know i was a little harsh so what i'm going to do is take the requirement of the law that i had put on them as a burden and i'm going to take that burden off of you it's the new covenant and there's this i think this kind of idea floating around that god imposed this law heavy thing and then removed it in the New Testament. Thus, right. you have the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and the New Testament, New Covenant. Right. Well, one of our challenges is those terms, mm-hmm. Old and New Covenant. Because what I'm saying, what our quarterly has been telling us, in essence, is that the salvation covenant, salvation um, by grace through faith, mm-hmm. has existed from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as man sinned. So, why would God make a covenant of salvation by law at Sinai, right? then he knew wasn't going to work if he already had one that was going to work. Well, plus, even with Abraham, remember, he was credited as righteousness just by believing the Lord. That's so, right. So, like, that's the, that's the new covenant somehow back then, and then there's the new covenant. So, it's like the law was imposed and then removed. And it seems rather arbitrary or capricious or something, but that's not so consistent with Scripture. So, what we fail to understand is this. Okay. The covenant, the new covenant, was first made with Abraham. Well, not first made with Adam and Eve way back in the mm-hmm. garden. Genesis as soon as they were 15, sinned, there's right? a Savior. Yeah. But the covenant made with Abraham was the new covenant, mm. not the old covenant. And so it's like, well, wait a minute, how's that come after? So just yeah, follow along and you'll see this in Scripture. Um, why don't you look at, uh, I'll read Exodus uh, 24, 5 through 8, okay. and then you look at Matthew 26, sure. 27 and 28. So in Exodus 24, after the terms of the covenant, the giving of the law and everything else, the Bible says, uh, Exodus 24, verse 5, Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood of these offerings mm-hmm. and put it in basins and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar then he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people and they said all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient like mm. they had that little extra part I just said. Mm-hmm. and Moses took the blood sprinkled it on the people and said this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words mm. okay now so here that. Yeah. That, yeah so why don't you go ahead and read Matthew 26 27 and 28 sure Speaking of Jesus, then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And obviously it wasn't the the juice, the the wine there. It was Christ's blood shed on the cross. So here we have the old covenant. How is it ratified? With With blood. Confirmed with the blood of animals. Yes. How's the new covenant ratified? The blood of Christ. With the blood of Christ. Which came first? The animals died Mm -hmm. before Christ died, so the covenants weren't ratified fully in the order that they were given. Okay. So it says in the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 371, it points out 
uh, this. It says, the Abrahamic covenant was ratified by the blood of Christ, and it is called the second or new covenant because the blood by which it was sealed was shed after the blood of the first covenant. And she's calling the old covenant here the first covenant mm. in terms of ratification. It wasn't sealed. It wasn't finalized. And this is the very point the Apostle Paul makes in Galatians 3, if you want to read that for us in verse 15 to 17. Sure. The Apostle Paul says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. And this I say that the law, which is which was 430 years later. Now he's talking about Sinai right here. Okay. The law, the Sinai Give law, me. the Ten Commandments. That the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ. That it should be that it should make the promise of no effect. Now, follow along. This is so powerful. The point yeah. he's making is to Abraham and he's talking to the Hebrews. He's saying, listen, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Okay, the, the covenant, the faith covenant was made with Abraham. Okay. And he says the the law, he's talking about Sinai's covenant, mm-hmm. cannot annul the covenant made to Abraham. So mm-hmm. his whole point is the covenant made at Sinai was never intended to change. To supersede or somehow. To supersede yeah. what, what, what was done with Abraham. Okay. And, and, and his whole point is just what we're reading in Scripture here, that the Abrahamic covenant came first. Mm-hmm. It's just that it was not ratified until after the Old Covenant because the Old Covenant was ratified with the blood of animals in Moses' day. Mm-hmm. But the New Covenant, the, the Abrahamic covenant was ratified by the blood of Christ on Calvary's cross. So if I'm reading this landscape correctly, the new covenant just simply means it's the original covenant established by God, the ideal covenant that was started way back with Adam and Abraham, and it was ratified in Christ, where the old covenant would be the Sinai covenant with the law that was given, articulated, That's not right. as though there wasn't a law before, but the people responded and said, yes, we'll do it. and right. the Called old and new right. based on when they were confirmed with blood. Okay. And if we were to read on here, the Apostle Paul makes the point that there is, uh, 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 there's no such thing as a testament without the death of the testator. In other words, you have to have that death to confirm the, mm. the covenant. It's the blood of animals with the old covenant, and it was the blood of Christ with the new covenant. And so, again, Paul confirms that right here. And so, again, this begs the question. Here's the whole thing. And this is what we're coming down to. Why then... If you had the Abrahamic covenant, if it was a good covenant, the covenant of faith and grace and mercy to Abraham, why did God make a covenant with Israel on Sinai that he knew they would fail at? Mm. So, again, you're saying that God gave them the covenant at Sinai with his law, and their response is, we're going to do it. Repeatedly it affirms that, right? That God knew... That what he was giving them was not something that, without a change of heart, they could do. Because, you know, a lot of people say, like, well, we can't keep the law. And, you know, there's truth in that. Yes. That we cannot, without the converting power of the Holy Spirit, the, the faith in Christ, be law keepers. But the idea of them obeying apart from Christ was never God's ideal. Is that no. the, That's the expectation here, right? A- absolutely. So, the, 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 the God knew that salvation was ever 
only through Christ. Mm -hmm. You come to the New Testament, Acts 4.12 says there is only one name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Right. And it's the name of Jesus Christ. There are people today who believe in dispensationalism that says, well, the Jews are saved by law-keeping. There's two different modes no, of not. salvation. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to be saved by law-keeping. Man yeah. cannot keep the law of God mm. except by the grace of God through Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. so that was always God's intention. Yes. And, and what happened at Sinai is when he tried to share that with the people, they didn't get it. They mm. didn't understand. And I say they. But let's be clear, what we've done with the covenants is we've made them dispensational. Old covenant lasted from this date to this date. Mm. And the new covenant began here, and, it, and Jesus came, and he died on the cross, and a new covenant. Mm. No, they're experiences. And mm. when he came to his people in Israel at Sinai, they thought they were able to establish their own righteousness. And there are people today of the same mindset. And so they're living an old covenant experience mm. because they think they can establish their own righteousness. And they may not consider the righteousness the Ten Commandments. Sure. They may just say, hey, I go down to the soup kitchen and I help my neighbors I'm a and, good I, person. and I'm yeah. a good person. No, you're not. They're in my flesh. Well, it's no good <laughs> no, thing, the not. Apostle Paul says. Yeah. Right? All goodness is from God. Mm. In Him is every good thing and so, perfect thing. I so, love that concept. Before you read that next quote, that the... The issue with old and new is not chronology, but it's experience. It's not like there was an old one from this point to this point. That's because right. Because basically you could buy into an Adventist version of dispensationalism. Absolutely. That there's an obedience there, and there's a grace here, there's an old there, and there's a new here. When the reality, it's been one covenant ideal all along That's that right. God has been trying to get through to his people. The, new the old covenant at Sinai was a hiccup in the plan, much like circumcision, which we've already touched Mercy. on. Mercy. It was not God's ideal. But what do you do when the people come to you and you're like, yeah, we got it covered. And the Lord's like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him, let him try. Mm. And notice this powerful statement from, and I just have to say, Patriarchs and Prophets 371, the chapter in Patriarchs and Prophets called The Law and the Covenants, read it. It's a good read, huh? And bam, it just clears this whole thing up and it brings out this scripture study that we're looking at. But from that chapter, 371, it says this, and I have paragraph four there. This actually is is from several, I'll correct that in our notes, because this comes from several paragraphs, just kind right. of... <laughs> but you recommend the chapters a whole, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. In, why don't you read that? In their bondage, the people had to a great extent lost the knowledge of God and the, of the principles of the Abrahamic covenant. The people did not realize the sinfulness of their own hearts, and that without Christ it was impossible for them to keep God's law. And they readily entered into the covenant with God. Feeling that they were able to establish their own righteousness, they declared, All that the Lord hath said we will do, and be obedient. Yet only a few weeks passed before they broke their covenant with God and bowed down to worship a graven image. Right, the golden calf. That's right. exactly right. They could not hope for the favor of God through a covenant which they had broken. And now, seeing their sinfulness and their need of pardon, they were brought to feel their need of the Savior revealed in the Abrahamic covenant, and shadowed forth in the sacrificial offerings. Now by faith and love they were bound to God as their deliverer from the bondage of sin. Now they were prepared to appreciate the blessings of the new covenant." Mm. So the, the powerful thought there is, even, even in this paragraph, it bring, brings out, even at Sinai, the Lord had given the sacrificial system. It wasn't Christless. He, he had intention to teach them their own need of Christ and, mm. and, and the deliverer through the animal sacrifices, you know, foreshadowing Christ, mm. but the people didn't get it. And so the Lord, you know, oh, all the Lord said, we will do and be obedient. And so the Lord knew he had to let them try it. 
He knew they were going to fail, and he knew they had to fail before they would realize their need of Christ. Mm. And we could talk about that in our own experiences, how God brings people to Christ and preaching of repentance and things like that. And then you realize, I need a Savior. And through that breaking of the covenant with a golden calf, now they're brought within 40 days. Yeah to the realization that that covenant isn't going to work for us. Well, isn't that what, what the Apostle Paul would re- repeatedly affirm about the law? For by law is a knowledge of sin. Like, That's I would exactly not have right. known this had it not been for the law. So he praises the law not as a tool for salvation, but as a driving need to Christ, a tutor that That's leads right. us to Christ. So God, the old covenant was not God's idea. God never thought, hey, I'm going to make a covenant and some people are going to be saved without Christ. Nobody's, mm. Nobody can be saved without Christ. <laughs> it's just that some people think they can't. Mercy. And the Lord has to take us through experiences to help us to see our need of Christ, when we do, then we can embrace by faith that Abrahamic covenant. Mm. Oh, that's a fantastic study. Now, I don't know if we want to hit the summary there or, uh, or just I, refer to it. Time-wise, we'll just refer to it. But it's there's a notes. second paragraph on Friday that it really kind of wraps that up very nicely from God's Amazing Grace, a great passage. But there is plenty of phenomenal scripture and spirit of prophecy mm-hmm. study for this week. So God bless you guys with your Sabbath school classes. And let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the everlasting covenant. Thank you for your law, but most importantly, thank you for Christ who enables us to not only have pardon, but also power to keep that law. And you can make us into the people you want us to be. Lord, please forgive us when we, like the ancient Israelites, just uh, glibly almost or, or humanly enter into a covenant with you. We don't know what we're talking about. Lord, thank you for your mercy for us. Thank you for showing us tenderly where we need to improve and what we really are in our need for Christ. Help us to see Jesus more clearly and live like him more boldly. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.